0: Then he brought me out of the way of the, north, the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles, And again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. And the waters were to the knees. And again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. And the waters were to the loins. Afterward he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now, when I had returned, behold, the bank of the river were very, on the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which bring forth into the sea. The waters shall be healed, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, and whithersoever the river shall come, shall live, and there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything that shall live, whether the river cometh, and it shall come to pass that the fish, fishers, shall stand. Upon it from el Jedi even until Egelim, they shall be a place to spread forth nets. The fish shall be according to their nets or kinds as the fish of the great sea exceeding many. But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given... To salt, And by the river upon the bank thereof, and on the sides, and on that side shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. And it shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issue out of the sanctuary. And the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine." I simply want to speak tonight from this subject, the blessings of the deeper life. The blessings of the deeper life. I want the Holy Ghost to help us. How many wants the Spirit of the Lord to speak to you from his word tonight? Once again, let's pray together. Jesus, we're asking you, God, to move and to have your way. Touch us each and every one. God, you're aware of our needs. You're aware of where we're at in our situations. And I am praying, God that you would do the work of healing in the lives of your people, that you would do the work of directing and guiding and encouraging us through your word. We're thankful, God, for this opportunity to stand in your presence and hear from your word. And I pray that you would do the work tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you clap your hands again to the Lord? (laughs) Praise God. Thank you so much for standing in. You may be seated. Recently, I had the occasion to go back to an area of the country that I had lived as a child, and uh, I didn't know if I could find it or not, but uh, it's amazing how the memory works. I was able, through a little bit of foreknowledge, to find uh, a childhood home. I remember when my parents, when I was just a little bitty boy, had purchased this home. And to us, it was very special because it was a brand new home. And uh, it was a a pretty large house for the size of our family, only numbering three. And uh, it was a special, special time, I remember, in our family. And it was a rather new subdivision. And so I wanted to go back and I wanted to revisit that place. And of course I had the memories from my childhood and uh, all of the vivid details of that home. I could remember uh, what it looked like the first times that I saw it. And uh, I remember different occasions, birthdays, uh, family gatherings, reunions, all of that that took place in that house. Even remember one time when We come home from Thanksgiving visiting my grandparents. And every light in the house was uh, on. And the front doors, being French doors, were both of them were open. And there was some stranger standing in the doorway. And uh, my dad thought, because we did have at that time the house up for sale, he thought that perhaps, unbeknownst to him, unlikely though it was that there would be a realtor showing the house on thanksgiving night that's the only thing that he could think of but of course it was thieves and when they saw my dad walking up the driveway to where they were they made a mad dash for their car you would think that my father would just say well we'll call the police and let them take care of it but that's not what he did he followed in pursuit of them through that neighborhood, curving down through the roads at a high speed. And we did drive by the realtor's home on the way, and my mom jumped out, and she ran up to their door, and they, of course, this was before the times of cell phone, were able to call the police. It wasn't long until these thieves, not knowing the roads, actually took a curve and was unable to make it at that high rate of speed and run off the road. And when they jumped out, I thought to myself, what are you going to do now, Dad? And uh, he didn't continue to pursue them, but they ran off into the woods, and all of our belongings that they had stole were there in the car. And I think they arrested them the next morning, finding them hitchhiking on the road. But I tell you, those events, things like that, they place a vivid reminder of what things look like in your mind. And so you can imagine my surprise as I drove up in front of that house. And now it's been, what, 35 years or maybe even 40 years later, as I think I was uh, five, six, seven years old when we lived in that house. And when I drove up in front of it, first of all, it looked much smaller. Second of all, I could see that the years had begun to deteriorate certain parts of that house. And the styles of the 70s were not the styles of the 2000s. And so it didn't look like a modern home. And there were very few things that really resonated with me because there had been some changes that had been made, although I could tell that it was the same house. But I remember driving on the back road that went around behind it because I remember it sloped down and there was a large boulder. This was... uh, in an area where there was a lot of big rocks and there was a large boulder that, that still remained. Actually, they had built the fence right there alongside of it. And uh, cousins and I used to play around that large boulder. We could climb on top of Of course, it was a lot bigger back then in my mind than it is today. But nevertheless, it remained there and it was a landmark that remained the same. And as I begin to consider that visit to that childhood home, I begin to think about how things deteriorate over time and sometimes they happen unconscious to us. We don't even realize the changes. We don't even realize the slow deterioration that takes place. We are not even cognizant of the fact sometimes that things are changing because it happens so gradually or so slowly. And as I begin to consider that for us and our spiritual walk with God, uh, I'm reminded of the scripture in Hosea where the Bible tells us uh, of Israel and and it's painting a picture and it says that there was a a few gray hairs here and there that unconsciously showed up and the person was not aware of them and did not recognize it. And though they were changing and time was taking its toll upon them, they did not realize it. I think it's imperative in this hour that we do not allow ourselves to fall into a frame of mind of thinking that things just remain as they are without us putting effort to maintain us putting effort to renew us putting effort to reconstruct if necessary to build up in areas where weaknesses appear to restore in areas where deterioration might uh, begin to happen in our walk with God, we got to constantly go back and say, God, I know where I started. And I know that I've grown and matured over time. But don't ever allow me to grow cold. Don't ever allow me to get hardened towards the presence of God. Help me always to be sensitive. Help me always, God, to have an open spirit to receive and be directed by you because I realize that I haven't made glory yet. I haven't made it to the other side. I haven't heard Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant enter into the joys of the Lord. This race has not been entirely run yet. And I don't want to quit until I reach the finish. I don't want to relax until I get to the other side safely. I want to do my part. I want to do what I must do to stay on fire for God, to have until Jesus comes to be the church in the earth that God has designed and purposed for us to be. Why don't you clap your hands to him and give him praise. I think we're living in an hour where many want the rewards of the radical life, but they don't want the requirements that go along with the radical life. In other words, they want the benefits and the blessings and to talk about the miracles and the great things that God is still, I want to say and emphasize that word still, still able to do. Everything you read about in the book of Acts, everything that you've heard about Pioneer Pentecost or generations that have preceded you, God is able to do that and even more for us in this hour. Come on, I can't hear you. God is able to do more for us even in this hour. But to think that he's going to do it with less commitment and less consecration and less desire and less hunger from people is to believe a lie, is to be deceived or to deceive ourselves. We have to stay fervent. That's our job. The Bible said to stir up that gift that is within us. Amen. It's our job to maintain the fervency. It's our job to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. It's our job to come back in His presence and plug in again and Say, God, I need you to restore me in some areas. I feel myself waning in some places. I feel myself growing weak in some areas of my worship. I feel my prayer life getting dull. I need to go back to the source. I need to be renewed and refreshed in the Holy Ghost all over again. How many knows that God is able to do that? That God is able to put that fire back in your bosom. He's able to put that passion back in your spirit. He's able to give you that same determination that you came into this with. I don't think this thing should grow weak as time goes on. I rather feel like this should intensify and this should go greater within all of us because the hour first of all demands it and second of all we have so much more to be thankful for and appreciative of of what God has done and so many more reasons now to continue on in this race than we had when we first began, when we first started. God, help me to be fervent in the end times. Praise God. Praise God. That's right. I believe we're going to have to remove the gray. We're going to have to uh, realize that it's sink or swim, that it's fly or die there is no in between and god moves at our level of desire i want you to let that settle into your spirit god moves at our level of desire he only moves according to our hunger some wonder why god's not moving in their lives Like they'd like him to. My question for you. Do you still have the same intense hunger that you had when you began this thing? Oh, do you still have the level of desire that you had as a new convert? Do you still pray with the same passion that you did when you initially received the gift of the Holy Ghost? When you came to the church To begin with, do you remember it wasn't excuses that you were looking for so that you could stay home and away from the house of God, but you were looking for every opportunity that you could find to come and be in the presence of the Lord because you realize this is my source of strength. This is what, amen, has changed my life. I don't want to lose this. Whatever I can get, I need to get it. I need to receive it. I need some more of what God has in store for me. Hallelujah praise God. Some of us have realized over time and have gotten to the place that we know the Bible, we know the Word of God, we know and are connoisseurs of preaching. We know when somebody's ringing the bell and when somebody isn't. And I'm not so sure that that is not a detractor. I'm not so sure that that is not a curse for us. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter who it is and what's going on. If it's anointed and it's from God, we need to be responsible to it we need to activate our faith and be engaged with it we need to realize that god's trying to speak to me and god's trying to deal with me and there's something that god is trying to work in my life help me not just to live my life in neutral help me not just to come to church and be a stick in the mud help me not just to come to the house of god and sit unresponsive help to come to the house of God and expect to be entertained. It's not about how good the preaching is or how good the singing is. If it's the word of God it is good. If it is anointed it is good. If it comes from the throne it's from God. Hallelujah. Come on clap your hands to the Lord. Thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so the overarching message of our text is if you walk with God and if you continue to follow His leading, He will take you deeper. Amen. Now, I realize that some people's more comfortable with the shallows. Some people feel like they're more in control with the shallows. And some people, when they experience the shallows, that's as far as they're willing to go because at each level... And each time you move up on the rung and each place you go to in God, it requires, again, more commitment, more consecration. It requires more faithfulness because God's not going to entrust His anointing and the depth of His Spirit and His blessings to those that are not good stewards of them. Amen? Amen? God doesn't give resources to people that are not good stewards of those resources. When God anoints somebody, he doesn't anoint them so that they can just feel uh, the jolt of the Holy Ghost, if you will. Or they can just spirits the blessing of being anointed of God for themselves. But anytime time he anoints someone, it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. So they can be a blessing to his people. So they can further the cause of the kingdom of God. That's the reason why anyone is anointed. I know. I've experienced it. I've felt it time and again. I know what it is to feel the anointing flow through you as you minister the word of the Lord. Brother Lorman can identify. And it is a wonderful feeling. It is a special thing. It's a very sacred thing. But I also realize that the purpose for that is not so that I can get up and I can boast in myself or I can claim some great gift from God. But the reason for that is so that God's people could be blessed, so that God could communicate his his word and the directive that he has and the will of his spirit to people that are in that congregation that I am speaking to the same is true when somebody's used of the gifts of the spirit it's not so they can go around and say oh look how spiritual I am and how great I am to be used of God in that way but if God uses you and anoints you it's for the purpose of furthering the kingdom of God that's right praise the Lord Amen. You know, it's not, a, it's not something we can lay hold of and say, Well, you know, look here. This is not an accolade. This is not, not some kind of uh, badge that we wear around that, that gives us some type of special spiritual authority. But God enables us to be used so that his people can be blessed. And the more we yield ourselves and follow after God, and yield ourselves to His Spirit, the deeper He will take us. And it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. The more you walk with God to realize the depths of this thing. It's truly amazing. It's hard for us to even fathom. You know, we think that we've figured it all out. If we've been around the church for 20 or 30 years, we think, well, well I pretty much got this. Well, you, you don't really have anything, to be honest I'm not, I'm not discounting uh, the years of faithfulness. I'm not discounting the years of commitment. I'm not discounting all of that. But there's no way that any one of us can figure everything there is out about God or experience everything that there is to experience in God. The wonderful thing about it, there's so many experiences of this world. Once you've got to that level, once you've got to that point, you've experienced it. You, you've got all you can get out of it that's how much of the kingdoms of this world that is based on that very philosophy that once you ascend to a certain level once you reach a certain place that's the end that's the apex it's over with at that point you can go no further but that's not how it is living for God you get a little deeper and a little deeper as time goes on and there's greater things and more wonderful things and more bountiful blessings as time goes on is there any testimony in there this house that knows what I'm talking about I've been living for God all these years pastor and it just gets better I know what the old man said when he stood and testified it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by can anybody testify to that fact and so the experience of living for God is to, to get greater and more wonderful to us And our desire should be to draw closer to Him. And that's how it is. We should never lose our wonder and desire for greater things in God. Ever since I was just a small boy, I've been intrigued with the deep. And I suppose that fascination came from my father because he was into deep water diving and scuba diving long before I ever came along. And then when I was about 15, I think he 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 and I he went through a refresher class along with me, and he and I and another man from the church we um, got certified in open water. And uh, I remember uh, doing that for the first time. And the first time we went out and and uh, went through all the necessary testing. Of course, there was bookwork that we had to do, and then and then of course. Uh, there was the open water test and series of things that you had to go through. and then my father realized that I enjoyed that so much. He said, why don 't we just go ahead and, and go for the open or the uh, advanced open water certification?" And this was at a different level, and this level would mean that you would have to go down at least a hundred foot below the surface. And in case you're wondering, you you probably dove into a swimming pool and it's about 10 foot deep, 12 foot deep, and you felt the enormous pressure on your ears when you got down at the bottom of that pool. Well, you can imagine that times 10. You get down there at levels of 100 feet and it's, it's incredible. And then at every so many feet, the temperature of the water drops and it's much colder, just like you know that the water coming out of a dam is much colder because it's water that's coming from the bottom of the lake. It's much colder than the temperature of the lake at its surface because of where it's coming from. It's coming from the depths of that lake. And the deeper the lake, the colder the water. And so that is the atmosphere and environment. It entirely changes. And then it's dark. And then if a lake has been there for many years, it has what is called underwater silt that is... Uh, collected on everything and it's really what they call underwater dust and so if you touch a branch It's just like uh, you went in uh, to a dusty place and you stirred up the dust or you drove down a dirt road and stirred up the dust, which adds to complicating your visibility. And so you can imagine the confusion if some diver that is with you uh, brushes a fin up against a a tree branch and all of a sudden the underwater silt is all stirred up and you're 100 foot down and you don't know if you're... Up or down. You don't know which way is up. You don't know which way is left or right or where everybody's at. And you're entirely confused. And you add to that, you add to that that there's, you know, there's people that like to fish in lakes. And there's some of them here tonight. And, and sometimes they get a big fish and it breaks their line off and then they got a half a spool of line that's down there wrapped around a tree. And you know what? Divers find that, that, that monofilament while it's down there in the water somehow and it can get wrapped around you. And so a good diver always has a knife with them so they can cut themselves loose because sometime or another your air is going to run out if you have to stay down there. And so these are the complications with the deep. And somebody says, why in the world would you want to go if there's so many complications and challenges with going that deep, if there's pressures, and uh, if, there's, if there's so many things that can go wrong and can happen, and there's a lot of things that you have to realize uh, about the deep that are dangers that are associated with it, first of all, uh, of course, uh, uh, the deeper you go, the more oxygen that is required. And you have to calculate that. And then the deep requires uh, specific training and uh, discipline and techniques that you know. Uh, because you can go and swim in the pool or you can go in shallow waters and it not affect you a whole lot. But you get down there at real depth. I, I, I remember uh, uh, Brother Sean Libby, he was wanting us to go diving with him and, and uh, his father. and. And uh, they were talking about how deep they were going, and they scared me out of going. They said, we're going to go down to these ships down and, uh, and, and go down to these crash sites, and, and you can go down into, uh, you know, 125, 150 plus. And I knew about the narcosis that could happen at those levels and how confused a person could get. And I said, I'm not experienced in that. I don't think, oh, we'll be with you. I said, I don't care if you guys are with me. I want God to be with me. And I'm not sure he likes to go down that far. And so there's pressures. There's the possibility of confusion. And fear can be fatal at that depth. And you cannot rely on emotions And feelings and people with heart trouble are certainly not recommended to go to that level and that depth. You talk about pre-existing conditions, they'll show up. You get down there at about 100 feet. I remember I was down there at about 100 feet uh, on Beaver Lake up in Arkansas. And I was down there at about 100 feet. And my dad kept pointing. And, and, and I realized he was pointing to my mask. And then I noticed what he was talking about as blood was filling up my mask. And somebody says, that's gross. It was gross. But the capillaries in my nose it burst and, and blood. And so I had to clear that mask out of blood at 100 feet in freezing cold water. And, and if I'd have gave way to my feelings I'd have shot to the service but if I'd have shot to the service I could have gotten the bends and I could have been uh, handicapped for the rest of my life because you can't give in to feelings when you're in the deep you gotta you gotta follow your training you gotta follow your discipline you gotta know what you're doing when you get down in the deep and that's why yeah, that's why God allows us uh, in our walk with him to start in the shallows and then he leads us out a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and can I trust you here and can I bless you here and can I give to you here and can I give you a little bit more over here and if I take you a little bit deeper are you going to give way to the feelings of thinking that I got here on my own or I did this by myself are you going to give way to pride and allow pride to destroy you if I bless you but somebody realizes that hey I didn't get here where I'm at depending on my own feelings and following my own amen feelings within and emotions within But I've got to follow what God has revealed to me and what God has shown me if I'm gonna survive in the deep. And so there's certain techniques and there's certain disciplines and there's certain things that we've got to do in order to experience the deep. But the rewards of the deep are fathomless. Treasures. Even the psalmist talked about the great waters. And the things that were in the deep, the things that could be experienced if a person was willing to accept the challenge and to go there, the things that could be seen, the things that you could put your hand on. I've read all kinds of books about people that have dove on old ships and and old uh, uh, identified old pirate ships and old World War II submarines and, and all the rigors that they went through to get down there and to be able to find some identifying mark that, that really truly spoke to what that ship was and where its origin was and uh, and what a, a fascinating thing it is. There's a lot of fascinating things that can only be found. in. De- if it was in the shallows, somebody would have already discovered it. If it was there in just uh, medium waters, uh, some Somebody would have already found it, but because it's in the deep, there's worth, there's value there. I'm going to tell you, that's the way it is in your relationship with God. Amen. You can't just pat a cake for Jesus and get what I'm talking about. You can't just be comfortable with staying around the shorelines of commitment and saying, I'm just going to be satisfied here and get the real blessings of God and really experience him in a powerful way. But if you're willing to go out and allow the spirit of God to direct you and lead you in Deeper places. Oh, what value. Oh, what rewards. Oh, what wonderful things that you can find in the deep. You say, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to cultivate a desire within somebody. And so, in Ezekiel's vision, he's talking to us about a vision, a vision that is really for Israel originally, but. God is using this to speak not only to them, but also metaphorically to us, the church. And so I want to unpack just a couple of things from this particular passage. First of all, I want to talk about the source of the water. Second, I want to talk about the course of the water. And third, I want to talk about the force of the water. First, let's talk about the source of the water. We know, of course, in its most elementary understanding, that the source is God. But I want you to notice something. When you trace this source or where this water, we get clues as we read through this passage. First of all, it says it's emanating out from the threshold. But if you get up to the threshold and enter on end into the house, then you see that it's coming from a, a holy place. And, and you get a little closer and you see that it's coming from one side of the altar there. So the source of this particular flow of water is the altar. And can I tell you that the altar is still where the power and the flow and the moving of the Spirit can be found. That's where it comes from. It comes from consecrated people that are willing to pray, that are willing to get a hold of God and willing to yield themselves to the Spirit of God. Amen. It's the presence of God and the flow of God's Spirit that we need most of all. That is the source. The Spirit of the Lord is the source that all of us need. And in this particular passage, the metaphor for water is life. Because everything it touched, it was fruitful. The trees were fruitful that it touched. There was fish, a multitude of fish that abounded in these waters. When it touched waters that were dead and lifeless and didn't have any fish in them, and didn't have anything living on the inside of them. When it touched them, it healed them. I'm going to tell you, that's the power of the Spirit in a person's life. They may be dead, but only by being influenced by the Spirit can life come. And when they yield themselves to the Spirit of the Lord, I don't care how dead in trespasses and sin that they are, I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're responding right now. I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God touches them, all God's power, God's glory begins to work in their lives. And life comes. Life comes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody got the Holy Ghost in this room? Amen. You didn't get a little dead something. You didn't get this little stale religion something. You you didn't get this some little experience that you could pass off, amen, in a few days. But what you got is life and life more abundantly. When he came to your life, he gave you hope. He gave you a reason to live. He gave you a reason, amen, to walk with him. He gave you a reason and a purpose that you didn't have before. Amen. Let's clap our hands to him and give him praise, So the source, amen, we're living in a day of deception, right? I mean, for every real, authentic thing, there's a fake and there's a phony. There's a counterfeit. There's something that is not completely right. And everything that has the label doesn't necessarily have the content that matches the will and the purpose of God and the word of God. And so you've got to fact check some certain things. It's interesting, you know, politicians are always talking about this fact checking. And uh, statements are made and they have to go back and fact check it. Well, I'm going to tell you, we need some fact checking going on when it comes to the things of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Does it line up to the Word of God? That's why we're talking about and teaching about the gifts of the Spirit because everybody that says they're used in the gifts of the Spirit, it doesn't line up to the Word of God. Their life doesn't line up to a person that is used of the gifts of the Spirit according to the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, your life can't be filled with deceit and wickedness and your life can't be filled with false doctrine and really claim to be used of God. It doesn't happen that way. That's it's deception. I'm going to tell you, there's so many people that are profiting off of phony stuff. There's so many people that are making a living off of phony stuff. Amen. And it seems like they're prospering in a way. But somebody has to go back and fact check that and say, does that line up to the Word of God? I don't care what you say or how you can fabricate it, how much charisma you got. I want to know are you anointed in the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm talking about the real Holy Ghost. Do you have the real power of God working in your life? Come on, I want to know, do you preach the truth? Are you Jesus' name? Are you one God? Do you believe, amen, in holiness and a separated life? I want to know, do you believe in committing your life to God and walking with Him? Because everything that professes this isn't true. The Bible said it would be that way in the last day. It said that there would be those that are professing godliness. There will be those that are saying, come out and listen to me. There would be false Christs that would arise. There would be a spirit of deception that would abound in the last days. And it would grow so intense that even the most elect would be deceived if the Lord didn't shorten the days. Come on, is that what the Bible says? We're we're living in a treacherous time, and you want to pat a cake alone, and you want to act like it doesn't matter whether you have good church or you don't have good church. You want to act like your worship doesn't matter, your prayer life doesn't matter, your commitment to God doesn't matter, how you live doesn't matter. Come on now. you got better sense than that. you got to realize it takes a whole lot more commitment than that. Come on, I'm fact-checking the phonies tonight. I won't let you know. I want the pure. I want the power. I want the glory. I want the anointing of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) How many times does the Bible talk about beware lest you be deceived? How many times did it tell us to beware of false teachers? With their soothing words, they will come and just tell you how great you are so they can get in your pocketbook. Tell you how wonderful they are just so they can get something a benefit out of you. I'm going to tell you, that's not the Word of God. That's not what a prophet is. Amen. A prophet sometimes has to be willing to be unpopular. Come on, you read about those Old Testament prophets. They weren't taking a vote when they showed up. They weren't worried about whether somebody liked them or not when they showed up. They were worried about being obedient to God and saying, Thus saith the word of the Lord, and saying what mattered to God, not what mattered to men. If you're going to be saved, you're going to need a man of God preaching to you. You're going to need a pastor that is willing to tell you what it's going to take to be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands to him and give him praise. And so the source comes from God. Let's talk about the course of the water. The Bible tells us that this, this, this river, if you read about it, it went right through the city there, and it went through those buildings, and it went through those places, and went through those areas, and it moved out this way and that way. Reminds me of a scripture in Proverbs 21 and 1. It says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of the water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. He's the one that controls the flow. Amen. You know, it's funny to me how, and and I do believe that God puts people up and he takes people down. But it's amazing to me how that people can take responsibility world leaders can take responsibility for certain things that God is orchestrating and that God is doing you see how quiet it gets when you start talking about politics I don't I don't talk much about politics but I, I got my opinion like you got your opinion but I can just tell you that that's that's a divisive subject but we do realize who's really ultimately in control is my point that God is in control Man is not in control. I said man is not in control. The rioters in the street are not in control. Amen. But man, amen, is limited to what God allows. And God's working this thing. And God's orchestrating this thing. God's pulling the strings behind the puppet. And God is making a way. And God is orchestrating this all. He's the one that controls the course of this thing. The Bible says this. It said the wind bloweth where it listeth in John 3. You hear the sound. You get the sign of it. You could see it rippling through the trees. You could see it rippling on the water. You could see that there are certain things that are happening and are taking place as a result of the wind. But you understand that you don't know exactly where it's going to blow or when it's going to blow. You just know the effects of it when it does blow. I'm going to tell you that's the way the Holy Ghost is. You don't get to manufacture it. Nobody can manufacture hurricane force winds. They happen all by themselves because God is in control. I'm going to tell you the winds of revival are the same when God's people line themselves up. I said when God's people are obedient to his word and live according to his word and yield themselves, God and his spirit will move and the wind will start blowing and it will start moving in the lives of people blows where it listeth it blows upon any heart that is hungry you may not think they're worthy but God sees them as somebody that he wants to save you may not like their kind but God sees them as somebody that he wants to reach and so we open up our heart and say let the wind blow let the work of God be done let the spirit move wherever it listeth wherever it wants to come on lift up your hands and let's call on him right now Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The source is from God. He controls the course of it. But he also, and this is my last point, the force of the water. Through this passage, we see that this flow intensifies. You read it. It starts out. It sounds like it's just a small thing. Even a thousand cubics out, it's still only ankle deep. A thousand beyond that, it's only knee deep. And a thousand beyond that, it's up to the waist. And it's only beyond there. But the further and the longer it flows, the more momentum that it gains. And the stronger its current. Can you say, Praise the Lord? It's force. Eventually gets to a place that cannot be resisted, It cannot be stopped, it cannot be dammed up. The Bible said he opens a door that no man can shut. Yeah, no man can stop this. When, when God wants to move, I wouldn't want to be the one that tries to stand in his way. You know those tsunamis that, that happened over there in Japan a few years ago? I read somewhere where those tsunamis actually, and I'm sure it's from erosion on one side, but but if you was to take just a I guess some kind of topical of that area, it would have moved that entire continent one eighth of an inch. That tsunami. I'm sure it's just from eroding that one side that it moves at one eighth of an inch closer. But that's, that's what it, statistically, that's what they say happened, is that it moved at one. I'm going to tell you, when we allow the Spirit to work, it can move things that seem obstinate. It can move things that seem impossible. It can take care of deals that seem so big to us and seem so formidable to us. And in situations that seems like that's hopeless and, and that we might as well give up on that. And, and there's no way for that to improve or get any better than it is is right now. I'm going to tell you, you're minimizing the move of the Spirit and you need to realize uh, that if you'll let the Spirit loose uh, and quit trying to control it in your mind and quit trying to put your hands on it in your will and let God have His way, He can move things. Uh, He can move mountains, the Bible says. Uh, I said He can move uh, the landscape of the situation. That's what the Bible tells us. Uh, And if we'll have faith in God, those things uh, that look impossible, those things that That look formidable. Those things that look like they'll never change. God can change them. If you believe that. Why don't you stand to your feet right now. Lift up your voice to him. When those waters. Of Katrina. Came in there on New Orleans. They had all kinds of levees, all kinds of different things. But when that storm surge came in, it was too much force. didn't matter what man had tried to do to guard against and to resist the current and the flow of the waters. Sea walls are built, seems like. That another storm will come along and prove that man, they may be able to retard it, but they cannot keep it from totally flowing wherever it lists or wherever it desires to flow. The tidal surge of the Holy Ghost is so forceful that you might as well just yield to it and surrender to it and not try to resist it. The Bible tells us there was a man by the name of Saul that was going down to Damascus. The great light blinded him, and he fell on the ground and began to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He made this remark. He said, it's hard for thee to kick, and I'm paraphrasing, against the things that I have willed and the things that I want. You're resisting the flow. You're resisting the current of revival. You're getting in the way of my will. And this is such a forcible thing. This man that was at one point breathing out threatenings and railings against the church that had so much power that he could have documents signed to go and arrest Christians. God stopped him in his tracks because you don't get in the way of the current. You don't get in the way of the force when it's flowing you got to yield to it you got to go where it wants you to go Jonah boards a boat and says i'm not going to Nineveh and he pays his fare and said i'd rather go somewhere else let me go down to tarsus and the bible tells us that there's such a force, a dominant force of God's will being accomplished. Because God is going to deliver a message to the city of Nineveh. And he has chosen a man by the name of Jonah. And the Bible says that such gale force winds arose on the sea. That even the mariners were pleading for mercy. They threw everything, they're tackling it all overboard. The cargo of the ship, the wares of the ship, the Bible says they cast it overboard. Still to no avail. Finally, Jonah said, I know the problem. I'm the one that's standing in the way of the flow. I'm the one that's got this whole situation in such an uproar. I'm the one that's causing this tumultuous storm in all of our lives. The force is so great. When God has his mind to do something. It's like trying to stand in a raging current and try to resist it. It's impossible and he said when I got to that point when I got in the waters over my head I just had to release and, and, and let myself go with the flow of what was already happening and let the flow of this current take me where it wanted to because I could not enforce my will I could not, I could not apply my will to the situation I was going to say I'm going to go to the other side I'm going to transverse this thing it said oh no you're not going anywhere but where I want you to go I'm going to tell you, don't fight the flow, but let God flow through you. Let God move upon you. Let God lead you. Let God take you where he wants you to go. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching down in South Louisiana and the pastor there told me about his father. He said his father was commissioned by a group of men to go to an old brush harbor. They used to have a lot of them back there in, in those days down in South Louisiana. They'd have a brush harbor set up and lanterns was what lit it and an old flat top guitar and maybe maybe they'd have an upright piano but not always, not usually and maybe they'd have a, one of those uh, squeeze boxes, those accordions and and that was their music. Nobody had a, a PA system. They, they had to preach off of a, a stump for a lectern and, and that's just how they had church and, and he was commissioned by a group of men to go down and to disrupt and disband that brush harbor because there were some denominational folks in the area that was trying to keep their folks from being converted by the Pentecostals that were having revival down there well I'm going to tell you what you'd be better to stand in the way of anything else but to try to stand in the way of God and try to hinder the move of God and he went to that meeting that night. He drove up there late that evening with the idea that I'm going to disband this thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to break this old brush harbor down. I'm going to send them out of here packing. He was a big old gruff man. And he walked into that and he said, While they was worshiping, the Spirit of the Lord gripped a hold of my heart. He said, I never felt anything like it in all of my life. And he said, Before I knew it, I was down at the altar on my knees. And a little while later, I was speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave me the utterance I got the Holy Ghost and that man became a preacher in that very community and started a church that his son pastors today I'm telling you it happens it happens when the flow comes into a place when we allow ourselves to succumb to the Spirit there's no telling what God can do in our lives so what am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you quit resisting the flow and yield to it. Quit resisting the will of God and yield to it. Quit fighting against, quit kicking against the will of God and give in to it and say, God, here I am. I'm on things get a lot easier when you go with the flow. I said, things get a lot easier in your life when you go with the flow. I wonder if there's somebody who wants to step out. God's beckoning you from shallow places into the blessings of the deep. God's, God's beckoning you from, from places where you've grown comfortable and saying, I've got something more for you. I've got something greater for you. I wonder if there's somebody who'd like to come. I wonder if there's somebody who'd like to pray. There's somebody would like to seek God in this house. Somebody'd like to open up your heart to whatever it is that God is endeavoring to do in your life. There's blessings in the deep, there's fathomless blessings blessings and anointing and power and and so many rewards for you to experience in the deep. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to go there. You've got to be willing to put your faith in Him and say, God, I can't get there on my own, but I I need to follow the flow. God, I want You to lead me. I want You to guide me. I want You to challenge me tonight. I want You to invite me into that place. Come on, let's talk to God. Let's seek after Him right now.